One, two, three. Do it. Oh, Case on a deep drop. Steps up in the pocket. He'll fire to the right side. Caught by Diggs. Stay up. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. 30. No way. Alright, alright, welcome back in to another edition of this Golders Podcast following a 41-17 victory over the Miami Dolphins. I'm your host, Ed Broadmarker, with me, as always, Mike Anderson. How are we doing tonight, Mike? Doing good. Victory Monday. Victory Monday. First time in a while. It's it's been a few ticks. The last Victory Monday we had was um, against our our former fabled foes to our our right in Wisconsin there. but, uh, yeah, they are mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, and uh, we are not. We are very not. Um, still alive for the playoffs, obviously, where I think we're in control of our own destiny quite significantly. Um, but the big news coming into this week, Kevin Stefanski, new OC, John Filippo out of here. First, before we get into uh, the recap of the Miami game, thoughts on John Filippo being ousted? I think it needed to happen. It, it wasn't working here. We talked about it as something they maybe need to look at in the offseason. I think before that Seattle game, you know, we, we had discussed it, but we were at least, speaking for myself, I was still on the fence. I was still thinking, let's let this play out a little bit, maybe give them a full offseason. Uh, that was kind of the mentality I have. But that Seahawks game was just atrocious. Uh, one of the worst offensive performances that I remember seeing this year or for, any. For my money, that was as bad or worse than um, the worst offensive performance I've ever seen, which is the Josh Freeman game at New, uh, New York Giants, which also happened to be a Monday Night Football game. Right. So, yeah, it, it was just horrid. I mean, your defense basically pitches a shutout. Pretty much all game, six zero, and you walk out of the building losing seven to twenty one, and the seven points was late where it didn't even matter. Um, just absolutely abysmal performance. I was, was kind of with you in the sentiment that I thought he might end up sticking out to the to the full season, but after that performance, in my head, I had basically two scenarios. One, I'm either going to respect the hell out of Zimmer for getting rid of him and making a move where he should, because He's typically a conservative guy, and it's not a move that I would expect from him. Or two, I, I would really be on the fence of if Zimmer is right for this team because he's not willing to make a move like that when it needs to be done. Yeah, I think and it's been a weird year again. And I know you've, you've noted this many times that something strange has happened to Zimmer basically every year. This year, Sperano dying, uh, what, a week before the season started, I think? Yeah, a um, week or two, yeah. You know that it sounds like that that really uh, had an, an effect throughout the whole team. You know, he was really a glue. He was kind of a transition between coaches, players, and a Zimmer. And and I think that ultimately. Well, I mean, not only that, but then you also had the Everson Griffin uh, saga yeah. that happened there. Just a couple weird things. But from a from a De Filippo standpoint, I still think you know it's going to work out somewhere. I just. It wasn't working here, and there's too much offensive talent for 
this team to, to have performances like they did in Seattle, like they did in New England. Right. And when the defense is playing as well as it is, uh, which is what you know we'll talk about here coming up when we talk about the game, they should be winning more football games than they are. And if the offense can stop, stop giving points to the other team, we should really start to win more football games. But again, we'll get to that in a little bit. So I think... You know, there just had to be a change. The players were getting frustrated. You saw Thielen on the sideline at the end of the Seattle game saying it's been there all uh, all bleeping night. And, you know, clearly the fan base was frustrated that Dalvin Cook has looked fantastic all year. But for some reason, we he stopped we, feeding we, him. we don't use him. Right. We continue to run up the middle. Uh, you had players from other teams say that it's just what we saw on tape. Basically, that's it's a scripted offense. They knew what was coming. And when you have those sorts of things, I think it almost forced Zimmer's hand if, if they did not want to lose this season. And this is still a, a healthy team that we know what we as a fan base know what they're capable of, right? We saw it last year. We saw that when this defense plays at a high level, if the offense can do their thing, they're in every football game. You need, like, like you said, you don't even need to put up a ton of points. No. Put up 20 points. You're going to win a lot of games with this defense performing at the level. Or you're going to be in it as long as you're not giving points to the other team. Right. So I, I think Zimmer saw that you know we were maybe losing the window for this year and made the decision. Uh, I think Stefanski will will do a great job. Obviously, he's one for one. We put up 41 points. Offense looked really great for a majority of the game. Dalvin had his best game as a Viking. And, you know, the cool thing for me is we put up 41 points and Adam Thielen had two catches for 19 yards. Would you, would you if you saw that stat line from Adam Thielen, and that's the only you saw, you would not expect to see 41 points out of it. Right. But we've been saying all year that there's so many weapons here just to spread the ball around to who's open. And we saw that. We saw... Tyler Conklin get a catch. We saw Aldrick Robinson, Robinson with a touchdown. Nice, we saw Dalvin in space. Yeah. It's almost like even the, Murray got a touchdown. Yeah, it, it's almost like the coach the the coaches have been seeing what us as a fan base have the entire time. But DeFilippo was just so into his system and what he was going to do. And now my hope is that uh, Stefanski is going to basically take what's given, try to get player, try to get the ball to your good players in space, and do what looks like it's going to work. Um, right. I, and I, I know that sounds simple, but clearly it worked this week. Right. So here was here was one of my theories coming in um, to the John Filippo situation, which I believe we also interviewed Seven, Kevin Stefanski for this position as well in the offseason. Um, we obviously blocked him from going to uh, Pat Shermer's offense in uh, the New York Giants, but the thought was is when we blocked him, we basically said, okay, JDF is likely going to be a one-and-done because he was highly sought after as a candidate last year. It's entirely possible that he'd be sought after as a head coach if he did well here. So, Stefanski, we're going to block you from New York Giants, but just stick around. There's going to be an opportunity for you in the future. Um, <clears throat> now, if he is able to shed the interim tag, then all of that seems like that's likely kind of some of the backdoor conversations that were going on. Um, just, we know you've been here for 12, 13 years. Right. You've coached almost everything on this team. Now it's time just to elevate you to offensive coordinators. This is, this is how offensive coordinators are born. This is how head coaches are born. Yeah. They start in the low-level positions. They build up their body of work. They end up in a situation like this, where they've been with this team for 12 years. They've coached all across 
yeah. the team and they understand what these players are and what they're capable of. And then they're able to juice them as an OC. Yeah. And I think, you know, I'm sure it's been noted quite a few places that another cool dynamic to this is that he's kind of had an ear to the players over all these years in this season and been able to hear those conversations that maybe they're not going to voice to a DiFilippo or a Zimmer, uh, you know, almost like that soldier-to-soldier uh, soldier conversation where you're not speaking to the general or, yeah. you know what I mean? Like or, he, or like at work, the employee to employee. Exactly, you know, yeah. You're, you're, you're privy, he's been privy to that, and so I think taking some of that in and, and really trying to know what, if you know what Dalvin likes, you know what Thielen likes, you know what your offensive line, they think they're good at, and, and try to really work with them and put them in situations to succeed, I think players are going to react more positively to that, sure. you know, and to feel like, hey, they're really trying to get the best out of me. And, man, we're one for one. Uh, obviously, a couple tests <laughs> coming up. we got to go on the road to a Lions team that, you know, I thought was dead, but they just won't die. Uh, they're still out there playing. They're, they're giving it. I think they've they've won maybe two in a row. I'm, I'm not sure. I have to no, check they, they lost to Buffalo. Did they? Oh, yeah, that's right. They were ahead. They were ahead late, head majority of the game, and ended up losing. So, right. um, but yeah, you know that team, and then obviously you've got the Bears, uh, which we'll touch on here at the end. But they're probably going to come in, and thanks to the Rams losing, it looks like they are going to be playing for something that week. So, uh, yeah, couple, a couple of good tests. It's gonna be it's gonna be a good test, and I'm glad that we've got this Lions game coming up. I think go on the road, show that that offense can continue to put up points and just, you know, continue to build. And then it's going to be a big test against arguably the best defense in the NFL, uh, what many people think is the best defense in the NFL in the Chicago Bears. So Sure. Um, before we get into Stefanski, I just wanted to point out one more thing. You mentioned it, 41 points for the Vikings. Highest point total since, um, I believe it was, December 27, 2015, against the New York Giants, where we put up 49. All right. Now, I understand the whole conversation that, okay, Miami is 30th in, in rushing defense, Miami is this, Miami is that. We faced bad defenses before and still haven't put up 41 points. To put up 41 points with an interim OC, with all the stuff we've had going wrong the, the previous weeks, to do that, I think is, is a pretty stellar performance. And it may be a sign of things to come if we continue to build on that. Um so, to dive right into Stefanski here, since we've been talking about him for the last five or so minutes, a um, couple things that I liked about it. His script went incredibly well, right? He, he worked in, as you say, a play-action passing. That was kind of a spot where we were lacking. He worked in a lot of runs. I think we had only 21 passes in the day, something like 30-plus rushes. Um, and then what happened was is we got in that lull, right? Late second quarter, third quarter. After scoring 21 points in our first three possessions, we end up not scoring almost anything until end of third, early fourth. A couple penalties that derail drives to there. Sure. So, yeah, so. a couple mental mistakes. You know what? That's inexperience as a, a play caller. Fine. Then he adjusted to Miami's adjustments, and we saw us just pour on the sauce at the end of the game. Yeah. Now, to me, what's really encouraging is that scripted plays, that scripted set of plays, the, the first two, three drives that are always scripted, we put up 21 points. Yeah, it's a bad defense, but if you can put up half that against any defense and then you all of a sudden give your defense a 5-10 point lead, now we can start to dig in a little bit and be the defense that we like to be playing with the lead. Yeah, to put points on the board early is something we have not been used to, especially lately. So uh, that was exciting, and I think anytime you can give 
this defense an opportunity to play with a lead, it really puts them in good positions. It 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 creates better ma- you know better matchups or situations from a play calling standpoint. Uh, certainly earlier in the game, you know not as much as later, but anytime you can get that lead and and just let Zimmer get a little bit. I think they get a little more creative when that happens. Maybe take a right. little bit more risk and and. Uh, obviously, we saw that we got to Tannehill. I think we had nine sacks this Correct. week. So, well, it's 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 like the cliche. It's complimentary football, right? Yeah. You put yeah. up fourteen to twenty-one points. Now all of a sudden, your defense can dig in. They they're not as is there's not as weary of giving away those chunk yards because if they take that 70 percent chance that they're going to get home on that that blitz package instead of being more conservative, well, now you have a big negative play for them for that uh, for the offense yeah. that you're facing. And now you end up. I think Miami was in on average third and twelve every time they were on third down, which right. is massive. Right. So it was just very good to see that. Good to see um, his his. I guess in his first game calling plays and making a script that was that effective. Yeah, which is very encouraging. To no, see. I would agree. Um, let's hope that. Let's hope we can continue that here <coughs> on my birthday. This week. Be a good one, Mikey. Yeah. Hopefully you get a nice birthday present. That would be ideal. Um, so, next point we have, Mike. Delvin Cook, we finally, finally got this kid rolling. Yep. We've been calling for this for what? Got six, seven weeks at this point? <laughs> We've been calling for it for that long, and I think Vikings fans have been salivating over the potential here since he went down week four or five last, uh, last year. So... Definitely saw what he's capable of. Um, obviously, highlighted or capped by his spin move run for uh, uh, to kind of put the game even further away in the fourth quarter there. And you just saw it all. I mean, you saw speed. You saw the ability to make tacklers miss. You saw him hit the right holes. We and you saw better play calling to set him up to in, for those right. positions. You know, we saw him go outside a little bit more, and it it's just really exciting to think that maybe we can start to see a little bit more of this and, and the more touches, you know, not... Right. Because New England, we saw it in New England, 9 for 84, and and then you just stop giving it to them, you know? And then the following week, Miami goes into New England, or Miami plays New England and runs all over them again. So why did we stop doing that is something, right. you know... And I think that was a huge piece, too, back to Filippo. I think that was one of the, the nails into his coffin, if you will, was, you know, what the hell are you doing? Right. Just that. continue doing what's working. I, right. I don't understand why you go away from that. Um, one boon that he did get is uh, David Morgan was back off injury. I think he's been out for the last four or five weeks. Yeah. And uh, it makes a huge difference to have that very good blocking tight end in there in some of those sets. Yeah. Because he's always a threat to also pick up some, some yards through the air. But when he's in there blocking, you could just see the difference in some of the, the looks that Dalvin was given. Yeah. Just just stealing off that edge for him. Yeah, and C.J. Ham was a lot more involved in this game as well, uh, getting considerably more snaps than he has over the last few weeks, which I think makes sense. He's you know also can get out there and block, and, and we've seen him catch the ball as well too. So I think, yeah, the the return of, of Morgan and just the usage of some of these other players to really help. Again, it's the same, what we're talking about, set set yourself up to succeed, and, and we saw it work. Right, absolutely. Um, any other points on the offense before we move on to the defense, Mike? Uh, well, I think I'd like, to, I'd like to talk a little bit about the pick six and Cousins. 
you know, I looked back here before the show, and and someone out there can tweet if this is accurate or not. But six times now, the offense has given points via touchdown to the other team this season. So that's a lot of points to have to come back from. And I I understand there's going to be turnovers at times. Uh, as much as you try to limit it, it's going to happen, and whether it be a tip pass, whatever, a defense makes a good play. You look at players like Khalil Mack, it's, it's going to happen. But we really need to stop these right. pick sixes or, you know, just got to be smarter. And in this one, I'm not necessarily going to go all on Cousins when you rewatch it. It does it's, look it's, like Rudolph was supposed to lock up and make the and at least make contact there. It's probably what a third, a third, a third, honestly. Yeah, but that stuff it, it can't happen in the playoffs. And well, it, yeah, we, we were talking about this earlier, Mike, and you keep on saying it can't happen in the playoffs, but it's gonna. The, the, the thing with Cousins is you're going to take the good, you're going to take the bad. You're going to take that 60-yard TD pass that is just on the money, and you're going to have some bonehead plays where it's it's a, a pickoff at, at the wrong time or a pick six at yeah. just a horrible time. you you got, you got to take the good with the bad there. He's never going to be mistake for I guess what I'd like to see, but then that kind of goes back to what I was saying, <laughs> where if you're going to take that chance, take it downfield or take it somewhere where, okay, you know, you take the shot, but... We, you know they're not putting six points up on the board running right. the ball back. Um, I don't know. It's just it's gotta. Hopefully it can get better. I know like some of that is just small things. If he bump, you know, if if Rudolph gets into uh, Minka a little bit on that play, he's probably not delayed, able to get there. Enough. And all of a sudden that play goes for it looked like what could have been a lot of yards. So you know it's just those are the small things. And and sometimes teams do come together and play three or four clean games in a row and I think we have seen that from Cousins this year where you know there's there's been complaints for Cousins all over the board but he has had games this year this year I think where he has not turned the ball over and, and, and when he has it's been the result of like a tip pass right or like a, so you know, I think drop. you know let's just try to get back to that uh you know you're up 21 nothing with a chance to really put the game away and then you, you throw that pick six and all of a sudden, it's twenty-one-seven. You know, they they kind of it was a little bit of resurgence there by the Dolphins, I think, and uh, that's just something I think the way this defense is playing right now, quietly, which is crazy to think. Um, I, I'm hoping that that can just go away. Yeah, that'd be nice. Um, but again, I'm not I'm not counting on it. It's probably going to be a couple bonehead moves, but. You know what? Maybe playoff Kirk Cousins is a little bit different. I don't think we've seen much of that. Um, only a couple games he's played in in the playoffs. So hopefully that does not uh, affect us in any negative way. Knock on someone there, Mikey. Um, so we talked about it a little bit switching to the defense, Mike. The defense gave up 10 points. All right. Seven of it was on one play. Yeah. So basically, essentially a shutout. If, if you don't mess up your assignment on that 75-yard run, basically pitching a shutout. Yeah, I mean, the defense played a hell of a game. Again, going back to Seattle, going back uh, definitely to Seattle, a little bit to New England. The defense has been there, and then certainly the weeks before that, we've really seen them step up and play, and that's, again, where part of my frustration is when the offense is giving points to the offense or to the defense of the other team, you know, right. when they're... That's that's frustrating because this defense is really playing lockdown right now, and they're healthy. Uh, you know they're healthy right, right now as as is a majority of the team, and so 
I think that's the biggest. That's that's the most exciting part for me. I know a lot of people are probably on Stefanski, and maybe this offense gets going. But for me, I'm starting to see this defense quietly play as well as they did last year, and it's kind of going unnoticed right now. As are the Vikings, and and that is probably fair in in most right. points. You know, they're seven six and one, uh, but defense is really rock solid. I look, you nailed it. Basically, three points. Uh, Mackenzie Alexander, I thought, had possibly his best game as a Viking. He looked great. Tip pass, sacked. He was flying all over a couple big hits. That sack was really nice of his, too. Yeah. Barr looked good. Uh, that's probably, I don't know if that, probably it's got close to his best this game year. this year. Yeah, Absolutely. If not even the last two years. Right. Hunter, again, getting on the board with sacks. Nine sacks as a team. And I just think it's next week's going to be a great opportunity for them to come in and continue that. So right. uh, defense is playing well right now. They're playing really well. If we can get in the dance, I still, especially with this offense, can keep it going. They're going to be a team that I, I wouldn't want to play. And, and you know the Saints and the Rams haven't played us last year, and, and certainly the Bears are well aware of what we are. So and what we're capable I, of. We're not going to surprise anyone, unfortunately, just based on, you know, we've basically played everyone that is going to be in the playoffs. Several but, times in the last couple of years, yeah. Yeah, I mean, maybe you draw Dallas, you know, or someone like that, which I think a lot of Vikings fans want to have happen. Um, but we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves there. But we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit when we go through the playoff chances, playoff scenarios. But uh, um, just just to rewind a quick second, so the defense the last couple of weeks, so we gave up, we ended up giving up twenty one to Seattle, which I think seven of that was also on a defensive touchdown for them, right? Um, yeah, the defense um, scored for them. Then we gave up, I think, what is twenty four to New England? Is that correct? Regardless, um, so my point here is the last couple weeks where it seems like the defense has not held well, it actually has held extremely well until late in the game where the offense is not really helping the defense. It's kind of the 2016 syndrome where the offense just was not clicking at all, was not doing much of anything, which made the defense be out on the field just so much more time. And by the time you get to mid, late fourth quarter, there's just nothing left in the tank. And, of course, at that point, someone's going to make a mistake. Someone's going to break free. Yeah. I mean, it, we talk about it. And at the end of the day, if, if New England puts up 24, that's where the Vikings defense is coming off. Not That's like it's overlooked. You know what right. I mean? Because you're seeing these 21, 24. Well, guess what? Russell Wilson threw for, what, like 62 yards that game? Right. So, you, so, know, so you look at Seattle 21-7, to you say, oh, the Vikings defense, they gave up 21 points. No. We gave up six points until, like, five minutes left in the game. Right. And, and again, we've talked about it all year. At times, this offense has really put the defense in bad situations, whether it be through turnovers or certainly points off those turnovers directly. So, uh, well, Buffalo, a great example. They put defense on constantly. defending Short the 25 field. and defending, yeah. like, the 30 back-to-back drives. So, and I, and, I mean, I don't want this to – I like the position we're at because – it's a little bit of an unknown right now. We're, we're kind of under the radar. They're hovering, and I think that they could be a very dangerous team. Biggest thing is, let's get this confidence. Let's let's get them playing together and operating like a unit. I think that's one of the most dangerous things is how you go into the playoffs. Right. We've seen it before. We've seen teams that get hot and come into the wild card, and they'll go in and beat a three or four seed that maybe is stumbling a little bit. Well, point in case right now, you have the Rams that have stumbled the last couple games here, and if they continue to stumble, they can't write it before the playoffs. They're going into the playoffs with confidence down, with a with a, a bevy of losses to their name going right into the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. And to me, it's like, okay, if this if the Saints make it through to the playoffs, still at this high level, at some point in the playoffs, they're going to break. Well, Saints just got beat by Dallas, two, what, right. two weeks ago? 
So, so and then Dallas gets shut out by Indy this week. I mean, it's NFL is is a weird weird monster, uh, and that's why I think we've talked about it. You just got to get in. You know, at this point, Vikings fans, you know, probably not going to see a game at U.S. Bank Stadium in the playoffs. No. So. You know, at this point, it's just about getting into that dance and trying to maintain your health. And I think if that confidence can stay and we get in, that's going to mean we won certainly one more, if not two. And if they win the next two going in, I'm going to be excited for Wild Card Weekend. That's and I know you are. So let's, well, let's let's agree on one thing here, though, as Vikings fans. No matter how big of an underdog we are, we are not going to wear dog masks. That's the most no, idiotic the thing I've thing ever heard. Of. So we're not going to do that. All right. That's the defense. Let's let's go to a Ask a Scolder segment here. We got a couple questions we can touch okay. on before we get into some uh, playoff uh, implications. Um, from my boy TJ, what do you attribute the decline of your defensive prowess compared to last season? And what do you consider the one thing that needs to be fixed right away? Defense or is the O line before you get to the, in, it before you get to the playoffs? No, I don't really understand this question. At least the first part of this question. Because the defensive prowess of late, the last four to six weeks, has been pretty solid. Honestly, since the Rams game, we've been getting better and better. Um, now, as an overall, if, if we're talking about like the first bit of the season, including the Rams, like weeks one through five, to me, I think that was uh, Zimmer brought in John Filippo. He pretty much broke down how he destroyed him in the NFC Championship game in 2017. And from that, Zimmer made a bunch of adjustments, made a bunch of different calls, and no one was comfortable with it. Yeah. And you saw a bunch of misassignments, a bunch of missed calls on the field. Any thoughts on that? Like, Yeah, I mean, you could be on to something. I guess for me, one thing that jumps out is this year, uh, and I remember seeing a stat they put up when we were playing the Saints in the second round last year, and I think we were the, the best team at avoiding big plays against yep. last year. And this year, big plays have killed us. Uh, but it's been trending down. It has been, as but again, we week, just I gave up a 75-yard touch. You know what I mean? Right, trending but, but, down, but yes. As, but as of last week, I think we were like fifth lowest in, in big okay. plays. So I think, uh, to me, that's that's one of the biggest things throughout the course of the year was big plays. I think the defense has put, been put in difficult spots throughout the course of the season at times. So some of those points against and things like that uh, are going to be a little bit skewed in those situations. Um, certainly, I, I think Xavier Rhodes has had a little bit more of an up-and-down year, and, and I know he is kind of an up-and-down player, but I feel like this year more so than last, it's he been has been. been a lot been. lower lows. Yeah, and, and it's just, I don't know, a little bit unique. Obviously, Mike Hughes was someone that we thought was going to play a lot, and, and with losing him, uh, Bars missed a couple games here. Uh, you know, so I don't know. It's... I can't necessarily put my finger on one thing specifically, uh, but that that big play jumps to mind for me for for you know inconsistency this year. But I think that <coughs> right now it's trending. You nailed it. It's trending in the right direction. So so I think right now the the to fix the defense right now. I don't think there's much you need no, to do. No. I, I think it's already trending where yeah. it needs to be. It's already playing at a level that you need to be going into the yep. playoffs. 100% so, agree. Stay disciplined and just keep it yep. keep it rolling. Stay status quo. You don't need to change much. Um, as far as the offensive line goes, the last three weeks actually have been pretty solid as far as pressures given up against New England and against uh, Seattle and uh, Miami here. Um, I think it's been the lowest three games of the season. Um, 
I think Kirk was only pressured on about 30% of his dropbacks, which is a significant drop. Um, now, part of that might be because they're respecting the run a bit more because we ran on them so much more this, this week. But even against New England, and especially against Seattle, Seattle did not have a high pressure rate against us. Kirk was just seeing phantom pressure for whatever reason. So I think, honestly, that is also trending in the right direction there. So I don't know how much better we can get there. Everyone there is, is healthy for the most part. Who is actually available and not on IR, I, I don't really know where we go from there besides fixing next year in offseason in the draft. No, I think the only thing would be Stefanski coming in and maybe changing up and, and talking to him. And what do you like, you know, what plays do you like when we run this? And and they got the game ball this week. Uh, I, I think they played a great role in, in helping Dalvin uh, have 136 on the ground and a couple scores. So maybe just, just talking to him constantly, having them involved, build that confidence. And, and like you said, it's been a little bit better as of late. So let's hope you know, Detroit, I know they've got a couple guys on the defensive line that they just recently put on IR. Uh, so hopefully they can, you know, have a good game there. And then obviously you're going to get a really good test going into the playoffs right before that. You're going to get a Bears team that has one of the, you know, most physical, aggressive fronts in the NFL. So, you know, what do you do? You're more of the, the O-line guru than me. But for me, it's just keep working, you know, keep keep coming right. in and keep trying to get better. You know what you are. Right. Keep trying to get better every day. And for me, one thing I always preach is, is having trust in the guy next to you and able to do his job is incredibly important when you're on the offensive line. So, like, like you said, you nailed it there. Going into Detroit, having a good game against Detroit, having a very solid, maybe even zero sack game against Detroit will give you that confidence, will give you that trust in the guy next to you going into Chicago. And that might make the difference. So, Maybe Mac doesn't quite have as many impact plays against you. He's still going to get his impact plays. He's still going to get you on a sack. He might even get you on, on a you know a fumble recovery there. But limiting his impact is going to be key to making sure um, that that you can actually pull out a win at historic U.S. Bank Stadium against Chicago next week. Um, all right, next question from our good friend Paul. Would you rather play the Bears in Week 17 with both teams locked in at number 3 and number 6, so nothing to play for, or with the playoff chances on the line, but also the chance to secure the 5th seed? So my guess is here, if we win, we would get the 5th seed. If we lose, we would be out of the playoffs. And then um, have the, having the Bears play for the 2nd seed, so both teams have something significant to gain. Right. What would you rather? For me, I would just rather be locked in. I think... At this point, like we said, whether you're the five or the six, you're probably pretty unlikely to host a game at home at US at historic US Bank Stadium. And so for me it's it's more about just getting in, getting into the dance and, and if we can do that this week, I think you've got the ability to go into week seventeen, work on a few things try to stay healthy so maybe get guys rested up a little bit pull starters uh, maybe half pull starters you know just kind of work on some things and obviously if the bears are in that situation we've seen it before in the nfl where they kind of just go through the motions to get through a game like that um you know you might not see guys and i get it's a divisional game and especially if you might be playing each other the next week maybe you see a little bit of that physicality but you might not you know see guys hitting as hard as they normally would in a game like that where, where nothing matters for both teams. Well, here's here's a thought that crosses my mind. Let's say the Vikings have it locked down. We have it locked down for the six. We can't improve because, say, yeah. Seattle somehow wins here. We can't improve. We can only get the six. We're locked into the six. Yep. But if the Bears win, they get the two. 
do we purposely sit our guys and kind of sacrifice that game so we don't have to go play the Bears, so we give them a bye? Is that, is that on your mind at all, or do you actually try to win that game and play spoiler for them getting that bye? I think for me... It- because because in that situation they're going to be playing in that situation if you win then you're basically guaranteeing you're going to Soldier Field in wildcard round yeah I think the mindset is is always going to be go out and win the game it's just if you know that neither team has something to play for it's like in any sport you know you're kind of maybe you see guys go out of bounds a little bit more and and those sorts of things but yeah if the Bears are playing for something the Vikings aren't I think you definitely try to play a spoiler you know you might as well at that point go in um, do what you can certainly for the first three three-plus quarters, um, if the game's out of hand, then, you know, maybe late you, you get uh, some of the backups in there and, and give them a few reps and make sure everybody stays healthy going into the playoffs. But, yeah, spoiler, I, I'm in on that. All right, that's that's fair. Coming from a divisional opponent, you know, you always yeah. have to play a bit of a spoiler, which specifically in Seattle, they could play a big role for them making or, or not making the playoffs because Seattle's got to play Kansas City. Right, and then they go and play. I think Arizona. So Arizona could definitely play some spoiler in them. Right. I mean, who knows? We could actually get the five seed. Well, and that Arizona team is uh, a team that already is out of the playoffs, and you've got guys that are probably trying to play for their jobs next year and play yep. for contracts and things like that. So um, yeah. that's, that's that's one point I always like to bring up when people are like, "Oh, yeah, they're just going to tank for the draft pick." No, they got incentives. There's there's yeah. there's usually fifty. 50 guys on a team that are playing for their next contract. Yeah. They're playing for, you know, that contract two years down the line. Right. They're not going to give up and, and just so you get a better draft pick. No, that's that's just a fable that's not true. Yeah. Unless they actually actively sit those players, there's not a chance that those guys are going to be. They might give up 10 15% less effort, but they're still going to play. Right. They're still going to try to win the game. Um so thanks for the questions there, guys. We'll try to get some more questions going forward here. Uh, but as we look at the playoff scenarios here, the Vikings are 7-6-1, currently hold the sixth seed. Seattle is 8-6, and six, I believe, right? I believe that's right. Yes. Yeah. So <clears throat> Houston at Philadelphia next week is very huge for the Vikings. Um, Philadelphia gets to play Washington in its last game of the year. Washington is now on, what, its fourth quarterback? So... They are, but they're coming off a win. They're coming off a win, um, but if Houston can take care of business and take care of Philadelphia, immensely helps the Vikings' uh, playoff chances. So I calculated the chances here um, via 538.com. Um, the Vikings' playoff chances right now are 56%. If New Orleans wins tonight, it's at 57%. Okay. If Carolina wins tonight, it's at 53%. So pretty much that doesn't really affect us too much. All right. <clears throat> With a Minnesota win next week, we jump to between 78% and 81%. With a Minnesota loss next week, we drop to 24 to 28%. So the biggest thing that we can do to help our chances is win. Win next week versus Detroit. No matter what happens, if we win out, we get a six seed. Minimum. So just win out. Just take care of it that way. But if Houston can beat Philadelphia, if Washington can lose next week too, and if Carolina drops one game in either this week or next week, and we win versus Detroit, we're in. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, it, it's unfortunate that last night the Rams could not take care of the Eagles because then I think we really had a great opportunity to be in a win-and-in situation next yes. week. But... 
we'll see. Uh, at the end of the day, like we talked about, got to focus on just doing your part because right now you do control. You know, if we win our next two games, we know we're going to be in the playoffs. So yep. uh, I think that's the focus of the team. And I guess that, I mean, that's where I'm going to leave it. That's the focus of the team right now. They're, they're focused on Detroit, a game that I think we should have a, a great opportunity to win. Obviously, it's been a bit of a house of horrors over the years. Um, but I like the way we're playing right now, and I know they are a banged-up football team, so I think they're going to be overmatched in quite a few areas. And I believe it was Detroit the game that did we get to Stafford quite a bit. Was that the 10 sack? Yeah. yeah, so uh, I think there'll be a great opportunity again for our defense to you know, really wreak some havoc, and if the offense can get going again like they did this week, um, hopefully it's another comfortable victory for the hometown squad. Not that day hometown squad, but our hometown squad. Right. Yeah. The, the the Minnesota hometown yes. squad. You, you phrase that incredibly, incredibly trickily there, Mike. Yeah, well, I, I corrected it. You know, yeah, I, I will see you there. I will see you at another time. <laughs> Just about, about that trickily there, Mike. Um, but yeah, exactly. Like I said, it's a, everything's in front of us. We still control our own destiny. If so, we get some help, fine. If not, you know what? Just win. I mean, to be honest, I think the only way I see this shaking out where we miss is Seattle and Philadelphia are the two teams that make the playoffs. Yes. You know, I Carolina, as much as... It was it was weird because I was on Carolina, then they started losing, and... Well, and now they have to play New Orleans yeah, twice and in it's the just, next three weeks. They've been so up and down, but I think it's just too tall of a task for a team that's injured. Cam apparently is maybe hurt, you know, shoulder issues. He's missed some throws this year. And it's the same with Washington. You're looking at the back of a back of, of, a, of backup. a backup quarterback. Yeah. Um, don't really see them as as a threat. No. They're, they're probably not going to win the next two. And so yeah, I'm right there with you. I think it's it, it's all going to rest on if Philadelphia goes on a run here, and if we drop one, which honestly it could come down to week 17 where we need to win and then. Yeah, I I think Houston Houston is our our ticket hypothetically because I do believe we are going to beat the Lions next week. And so if Houston can go into Philadelphia and win that football game. And then Washington, I believe, is at Tennessee. So that Tennessee is still playing for uh, yep. AFC spot. So that that's going to be a tough game for Washington. I do not expect them to go into that stadium no. and win. Um, and, and I then, think Carolina is going to lose tonight. So Right. So it, uh, theoretically, it could be wrapped up for us as, as soon as we win against Detroit yep. next yep. week. Um, <clears throat> as soon as we win. If we win against Detroit next week, we'll just right. put it that way. Can't can't put the the cart before the no, horse. No, you there. can't. Um, <clears throat> last point we're gonna make here, as far as the playoffs go. The NFC doesn't really look as invincible as it once was. No. You had you had the Saints drop to Dallas, thirteen to ten. You had the Rams the last couple games here, seeming like they are completely, like, they're exposed right now. Goff is looks absolutely horrible. Yeah, right. So there's there's some wounds there you can expose. So. You know, you look at this Vikings team, you get hot at the right time, you get this next couple games, dangerous. Yeah. I mean, listen, outside of Minnesota, you're not going to have a lot of people that are going to believe, even if we get in, even if they win the next two. Uh, you know, certainly if the Bears and Vikings are both playing for something week 17 and the Vikings go out and get a really hard-fought, solid victory, maybe then you gain a little bit of credit. But uh, it's it's going to be the top teams, right? It's going to be the Saints, the Rams, the Bears, and I think even uh, Dallas, if they win that division, and certainly the Seahawks with, with Russell Wilson, those are going to be the teams that are going to be talked about more so than the Vikings. And that's why I think they're kind of an under-the-radar team right now. And, and we know what they're capable of, and and it should still be an exciting time. 
Uh, obviously, you've got to overcome Cousins beating quality teams and beating them on the road. But, <laughs> you know, you never know. I mean, that's why you, I've said it many times this year, and it hasn't worked out really more than the one time, I guess, or twice. That, well, I don't know how you kind of tie. But, uh, you know, Cousins hasn't necessarily gone out and, and won us the football games that we needed him to win. But I, I think it certainly looks like he's going to have opportunity to do that here um, in the very near future. So, And, and you know, you could say the capo that a lot of it could be play calling, and a lot of that could be true. Um, a lot of it could just be him not playing confidently behind a, a you know a shaky offensive line, and and now he's just finally starting to get calls that are making him more comfortable. The line is starting to get a little better, a little bit better in the last couple of weeks. So all these things play a factor. Um, and one of the pet peeves I've had of the last week here, especially since the Seattle game before um, yesterday, is people putting out there, "Was Cousins worth the eighty-four million dollars?" Now, the problem I have with that question is that doesn't lead you to anywhere productive. Because Cousins being worth $84 million, you can't take back that decision. You can't cut him and get out of that with less dead money. There is no cutting him and not having to pay that $84 million. Right. So at this point, the question that needs to be asked is how do we minimize our losses slash how do we get the most out of Cousins that we've already spent $84 million on? That's the question that people should be asking themselves. How do we set him up for success? How do we prepare for next year, regardless of what happens this year, to make sure he has a better offensive line, to make sure he has better weapons, to make sure he has a better play-calling system? How do we maximize Kirk Cousins? Because that $84 million is done. It's spent. It's there. Yeah. He's there for the next two years regardless. It doesn't matter if he's worth it or not. You have to get the most of that investment, period. You know, and, and listen, at the end of the day, there's some. we had health concerns with some of the options that we had. Bradford, you know, Bridgewater. You, you don't really have that. Cousins has been, throughout his career, a guy that plays all the time. He's still putting up some decent numbers here. He's got touchdowns. He's got yards. He's got a completion percentage. He's He ranks decent in a lot of these metrics. So, yes, the turnovers have been a problem. I believe he, he coming into this week, was tied with, uh, I think, Sam Darnold for the most turnovers. Yep. And that's got to get better. But some of those are fumbles and people coming through that line. So we know we got to shore that line up a little bit. And they have been playing better. But fix that line a little bit. And then maybe, like you said, get into a system that he's a little bit more comfortable in. Roll him out a little bit. Get some play actions going. And maybe we see those turnovers go down. And I think if you see that, there's going to be more people that come around to Cousins. Small tidbit. Brian O'Neill, current right tackle, has not surrendered a single sack since he started like fifth all time on the list right now for consecutive um, snaps not allowing a sack. I, I did see something though where he does have games where he'll give up like five pressures. Yeah, it's, usually, it's usually like one or like six. Yeah, so... It's like nowhere in between. But pressure is not a sack. No, and, and certainly... And, we, and as far as the rookie goes, a rookie that typically when offensive linemen come in as a rookies, they're underpowered because they just well, haven't... he was. They haven't grown into their... And he still hasn't yet. He gave him a full offseason. His technique is already there. He gave him a full offseason to gain that strength yeah. where the bull rush doesn't yep. completely knock him yep. down. Just, he's going to be lights out for the, the franchise, man. I, I, I Again, Cousins, I'm with you. I think it's still the right decision, but it clearly was not working with... DeFilippo, right, and I think Changing let's let's team. try to yeah let's try to build build a culture, build an environment where he can succeed and put him in a spot to really you know yeah maybe he does make that throw downfield that gets picked every once in a while, 
a lot of the great ones do. Brett Favre, the gunslinger, you know, some of the... Highest interceptions of all time. Right. And, and I'm, I'm not comparing them, you know, you don't tweet me, oh, whatever, Favre, right. et cetera. But, but, but at least, it, at least the, the idea is the same there. It's, you're going to live by the sword and die by the sword. And I think some of the peace of mind in just last year, every week, I'm like, God, is Keenum going to be able to is get this us the week? point, you know? And, is this the week that he falls off? Right. So, yeah, no, I'm with you. Uh, I hope everyone stayed on the wagon with us this long because we've still got a little little road left to travel. I'll, I'll say one last thing on the Cousins debate. Okay. If if Cousins was signed for an average of $22.4 million a year, how does that make you feel about his play so far? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm fine right now with... Oh, you're, you're fine with it, but if he was signed for $22.4 Million per year average. I think I'd, I think I'd feel the same as I do right now. You you wouldn't feel better about it. You wouldn't feel no. better about it being less money. Well, I would feel better. It's less money, I guess. If but overall, it's still at that twenty some million. So right. to me, I feel the same. Okay. I guess. Uh, obviously, I, yeah, mm-hmm. I feel a little better because it's less money. But well, I'll, I'll just put it out to the listeners there. Just, just something to ponder because typically when you go to free agency, there, <laughs> there's there's typically uh, a free agency tax, right? Typically, when you're re-signing your own guys, you get a little bit of a discount. You're not paying top dollar. You're not paying the most ever for these guys. A couple of guys, maybe. Aaron Donald, Khalil Mack, yes. But like guys like Harrison Smith, Xavier Rhodes, they could have gotten a lot more in the open market. They chose to stay here for less. So if you apply 25% tax to that, 25% tax to uh, the free agency and also the quarterback inflation there, you take 28 divided by 1.25, you're at $22.4 million a year. Which... If you put him in that tier, he's right about where he needs to be performance-wise. If you look at all the quarterbacks that are in that slot. Right. So to me, I look at that and I'm like, okay, put it in that context. Yeah, we had to spend more. But put it in the free agency context, I think we're getting what we paid for. Yeah. No. I <laughs> Listen, I've been critical of Cousins at times. and It's all warranted. I think it's been fair. But at no point... Have I really gone out and said this was the wrong decision? Uh, you know, what are we going to do for the next two years? I think it's there was frustrations with play calling. There's frustrations at different. Every game has almost presented. We've talked about that before. It's been something unique every single game that it's just like seriously, what we never do this. How did this happen? You know. Right. <clears throat> uh, so I I think again it's just get hot at the right time, and I think that they're on the verge of possibly doing that. And the team really looks like they're coming together to rally around Stefanski. Dalvin, I saw uh, a Dalvin interview. I saw a bunch of interviews here after this week. And all the guys just had that, I don't know, it's like you could feel that energy, feel that vibe. And I haven't really seen that lately. So I'm hoping that that's the whole team and let's keep it rolling. I think you're going to learn a lot about this team uh, with the Detroit game. I, I really do, because I think if this is one of those close, ugly games, like 16-13, that's a little bit concerning to me. Uh, I want to see this team go on the road and win by double digits. You know, Knowing that we need to go on the road in the playoffs probably three times to get to a Super Bowl, I want to see them go in against a team that is still going to be playing, but they're down, they're hurt, they're, they're having a bad year. You you dominate, dominated them before. Let's go in and do that. Let's go take care of business and show that you are a team of this caliber. So Sure. Yeah. I completely agree. We'll get into more of that on the next podcast, Mike. The Detroit preview. Right now, it's still Victory Monday. We got football on the night. Oh, I'm nervous.
Chris. I need that. Am, oh. Well, you too. We're both in boats we're, here. We're both involved here. We both need Michael Thomas not to have a lot. I just need Michael Thomas to do less than Christian McCaffrey. Uh, twenty-six and a half. I less than twenty-six and a half. So he can still have a good game. Okay, let him let him do that and let Christian McCaffrey get twenty-seven. That's let's let's do that. Actually, crazy enough, in my I'm in two scenarios. Thomas going four twenty-five ish is perfect. It's just I don't know if I can handle the stress of having to sit there and watch that. <laughs> well, but. Mike, let me put it to you this way. You've already won or lost all of your fantasy matchups right now. You just don't know it yet. Right. You can't do anything to change the outcome, so why stress about it? Well, it's fair. It's true. Anyway, well, on that philosophical note, we're going to get out of here. Scolders.com, climbingthepocket.com, all good stuff there. I'm at Namok7 on the Twitter. Uh, Muskie underscore Mike. Also, we forgot something very important that happened this weekend. What's that? The Green Bay Packers were officially eliminated from the playoffs. True. We'll try to get our Green Bay uh, compatriot on here to, oh, we gotta uh, find him. to do a post-mortem. Yeah, is he, is he, even, I don't, I don't is know. he under a rock somewhere I think crying? I, thought I don't it's, know. Yeah, I think he's in a whiskey bottle somewhere in a small-town bar in Wisconsin. I don't know. You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised at this yeah. point. I would not be surprised. Um, but, yes, Packers mathematically eliminated. Always a great thing. I mean, no matter what happens to the Vikings, as long as we get that, that's, I think that's a successful season. <laughs> Anyway, we're out till next time. Skull likes, let's go. Skull.